Hello everyone. In our last podcast, it was suggested that we were drawing to a close our dissertation surrounding the very real prospect that the United States of America is John the Revelator's Babylon the Great. In this current podcast, as we embark upon the 18th episode in our multi-part series involving a thorough consideration of the 18th chapter of the Book of the Revelation, one thinks it might be a gross oversight if we failed to consider the diabolical sway and the godless impact that the secret societies hold and have on the shaping of the spiritual ethos that is endemic to all that God despises in a nation such as the USA. As always, our study is rooted in the book, Judgment Day, Volume 1, Prelude to Armageddon, The United States of America in Bible Prophecy, and the author is Mr. Alvin Mitchell. I am Carol, and, I will be your host. Secret Societies. For our struggle is not with flesh and blood. Rather our warfare is, centered ultimately in the realm of the demonic. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 to 20. There is that among us at this late hour constrained and restrained though it is which may easily represent the ultimate physical manifestation of this reality. So much so is this true that, far, far too many of America's churches, seminaries and Bible schools amount to something on the order of theological and spiritual death traps. Having been successfully infiltrated, they are heavily influenced and satanically guided, from behind the scenes, by these sinister, diabolical influences. Much of this demonic activity is manifested through secret societies, of which it is said that they ultimately control most other major institutions throughout all our local communities, including schools, financial institutions, industry, as well as politics, and our churches. Of all that ails America, it might well be argued that the most damning of influences come from the presences of, and in the operation of, the secret societies. According to some sources, they appear to contribute marvelously to her place in God's eschatological timetable, on a sour note. It may be that these make and mark her eternally as Babylon the Great, more than anything else. Cecil Rhodes Federal World Government Occult, often highly secretive organizations featuring hidden agendas and secret knowledge that has to be kept from the public at all cost, the secret societies are said to be the rich folk who actually run and control not only America, but in one way or the other, the entire world. It is said that all have in general, one common goal, subjugation of all humanity under the rule of a one-world government system. This idea was originally suggested and proposed in the early days of the 1900s by a gentleman whose name was Cecil Rhodes, founder of the Rhodes Scholarship by means of which he had hoped to facilitate his dream and supported generously by writer H. G. Wells. Mr. Rhodes' plan envisioned imposition of a federal world government, enforced jointly by the U.S. and the British Empire. George W. Bush Sr. was recorded 91 years later, during an engagement on the 11th of September 1991, at which he spoke passionately about realizing in a new world order, the universal aspiration of mankind, peace and security, Freedom and the Rule of Law. HTTP colon slash slash www.youtube.com slash watch question mark V equals Bixio Jeeps 10 closing parenthesis. This law, he stated, would govern the conduct of nations, thus indicating that Mr. Rhodes' original initiative is very much alive and in the works. The torch for that initiative is being hoisted and carried by the secret societies of today. 
Part of the agenda for the facilitation of this supposed new world order calls for some form of a process of elimination, i.e., that is they wish to implement various dangerous, deadly schemes aimed at drastic, global population reduction. In short, this new world order is not for everybody. Somebody perhaps billions will have to die. Leading the pack of those who so think and plan is a group called the Illuminati. Allegedly, this organization wants to depopulate the world by as many as 5.5 billion souls, by means of outright slaughter, orchestrated conflicts, political and economic chaos, and deadly bioengineered diseases. Sounds like the blueprint for the initiation of Revelation chapter 6, does it not, which also foresees war and famine? The Rockefeller family and their foundation are believed to be strong backers of a hellish scheme to eliminate half the world's current population, including between 125 million and 150 million Americans all part of an effort known to some as managed chaos. This is not at all inconceivable, considering the hundreds of millions mercilessly slaughtered by the communists between the rise of Lenin and Trotsky, and the fall of the Soviet Union in 1991 including the millions upon millions of deaths occasioned by Hitler and the Nazis. Per one of Hal Lindsey's 2009 May reports, our own Bill Gates and Oprah Winfrey are said to have been part of a consortium of some of the richest people on earth, which met in NYC last March to discuss, among other things, the issue of population control. As self-appointed gods of the matter, they are said to be tops among those who have determined that the world has too many people, in which case someone has to die, to balance things out, while they have sole authority to decide who lives. Society Mindset All of the secret societies are said to be known for having several things in common, whatever their individual goals, agendas, or areas of specialization, as they work to bring about their perception of a new world order, under a one-world government. All are given to paganism and luciferianism, i.e., worship of Satan, or, the devil. Notwithstanding their professions of faith in God, and their active participation in the local churches. All in some way affect some level of sway and control over virtually every aspect of American society through infiltration of all of its major institutions, including schools, religious and secular, Bible colleges and seminaries, and its churches, where they seek to manipulate via the mind, economics, politics, media, and the military. All are said to be 1. Arrogant, prideful seeing themselves as superior, elite possessors of truths that cannot be revealed. 2. Dual personalities they have one persona for the general public. Another for members of their own ranks. They are anti-God, hence they do not worship the true and living God as they see themselves as the highest form of life their public professions and church affiliations notwithstanding. 3. Taught orally, in bits and pieces over time so as to avoid written records, and thereby the risk of inadvertent publication. 4. Believe that all men are inherently good, contrary to biblical teaching such that all men are inherently evil, via the fall of Adam. 5. Believe that all religions tend toward, or lead to God. Remembering, their, God, is the devil. Have memberships in a scandalous and depraved, men's sex club having ranks of nearly 3,000 strong, known as the Bohemian Grove, which is said to have numbered many of America's top men, including, the Bushes, Nixon, Henry Kissinger, Colin Powell, Cheney, Merv Griffin, Danny Glover, Gingrich and Reagan, 
the names John Kerry, Bill Clinton, Peter Jennings, Tony Blair, the Rockefellers and others are associated with others of these types of organizations. Some seek the destruction of the global status quo through managed conflict, the round table, while others are aimed at destruction of the U.S., the Majestic Twelve. Perhaps the best known of these hell-spun, secret society groups in America are the Freemasons and the Order of the Skull and Bones. A detailed sketch of the Bonesmen follows, preceded by this overview of the Masons. The Masons. The beliefs and practices of those of the Masonic Lodges are as follows. 1. They set a trap to entice new members by portrayal of themselves as a multi-faith organization. 2. Hold all members in check, sworn to secrecy, by virtue of a deadly oath. That is, any Mason who breaks his silence is subject to a Masonic death penalty. The dreaded blood oath. 3. Are devoted Satanists and worshippers of Lucifer, although the lower-ranking members do not know it, or at least they are not told. 4. Require a loyalty to Masonry that transcends country, family, or faith in God against whom they are viewed as rising up in war. 5. Are masters of deceit, real-life purveyors of true lies. 6. Main agenda, due to a deep-seated hatred, is the undermining of Christianity, to which they are deeply opposed. 7. Promote a heresy called indifferentism, wherein all religions are equal in value. 8. Are known for past activities which include starting wars, spawning of revolutions, causing of assassinations, overthrowing of organizations. 9. Envision the New World Order as one given to secular humanism and called a Masonic Republic. 10. Are themselves controlled by the Order of the Skull and Bones Society. The Skull and Bones. President George W. Bush parades occasionally before the public, masquerading as a born-again Christian, even calling upon God to bless America in times of trouble. Interestingly, he never seems to see fit to give thanks, in God's name, publicly when times are good, trouble-free, for blessings already bestowed. At the same time, on the other hand, it seems it is, now at least, a matter of public record that, like his father, former President George Sr., and his grandfather Prescott, George W. is an active, full-fledged member of this powerful, secret society known as the Skull and Bones that, in spite of his alleged long-standing disdain for both Yale and the society, and the supposed distance he maintains between them and himself, according to Chris Milligan, in the online article, The Order of the Skull and Bones. Everything you always wanted to know. Mr. Bush began his involvement in secret societies at age 12. Rival, senator, and former Democratic, presidential hopeful, John Kerry is also known to be a member of this society, called variously the Order and the Brotherhood of Death. Legally, it operates under the pseudonym, the Russell Trust being so incorporated in 1856, by U.S. international drug runners and narcotic smugglers W. H. Russell and Daniel Gilman. The Skull and Bone Society was formed in these United States in 1832-33 by William H. Russell as Chapter 322, with the blessing and the permission, of a secret society founded, rooted and operating in Germany. It was first established and is now headquartered on the campus of Yale University. It is not, however, a fraternal organization, 
and is found on no other college or university campus. Whereas membership always by invitation only, always selected by Yale seniors, from the ranks of the junior class was originally limited to the males of the prominent WASP families, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, the powerful and elite among the early settlers from England, the last 25 to 30 years has seen an expansion that now allows women and minorities. This was written about 15 years ago, as of today, October 16, 20. In addition to having its own governing rules and ceremonial rights, all members are required to swear an oath of secrecy and to keep silent about their activities and membership, even to the point of denial, when accused of holding memberships in the society. The nature and activity of these ceremonial rites is worthy of note in that, for highly intelligent, reasonably well-educated men and now women, they can be quite bizarre. They are said to feature roles for seniors dressed as the devil, Don Quixote, the Pope, as well as a human sacrifice in effigy killed by slitting of the throat, and a masturbation ritual while spilling one's guts about one's most intimate sexual life before a panel of his initiates. Thanks to a disgruntled member, repulsed by some of the activities of the group, we now know something of that membership and of the society's inner workings. Interestingly, based upon a limit of 15 new taps per year, membership is said to never be much larger than 800 living at any one time. The Book of Bonesman Membership In 1983, that frustrated member smuggled a membership book to Dr. Anthony C. Sutton, a professor, and foremost authority on the skull and bones, at Stanford University. Dr. Sutton was given 24 hours to make copies, then, return the book. It is by virtue of the contents of this book that we now know the ambitions, the scope of its influence, and the impact of its intrusion into the affairs of government, finances, law, education, as well as religion, in this country, at the highest levels, for over 150 years at the time the book was made public. That influence and impact are said to be enormous. The Objective of the Bonesman The chief objective of the skull and bones is power and control, to study and know the elements that make up society, then through manipulation of those elements, to effect change in some specified manner, leading to a specific goal or accomplishment. Toward this end, they are said to employ manipulative antics in the form of managed conflict or crisis management, wherein they create or cause a problem, then manage or guide that problem to a solution that is always in their best interests. They appear to be indiscriminate in terms of party or group affiliation, always prepared, willing and able to play on any side of any given court, playing all sides against the middle, all in favor of their agenda. In addition to being the cause behind many of the world's major conflicts of the recent past, not the least of which included financial backing of Ashkenazi Jew-led Bolshevik communism as well as the Stalinist communism, backing and financing of Hitler and his Third Reich, controlling the U.S. education system, they are said to be the reason for the crisis the world is facing currently. This, one can only suppose, must include the present wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, just as we have been conditioned to accept the notion that sex sells and is therefore a good thing for sales, so likewise, we have been served and are now enjoying the fruit of reason that says war is good for the economy who cares about all the lives war will consume. This might be their motto, a certain political pundit, analyst was recorded and publicly televised making that exact comment during a news brief, a few years ago. The Bonesman's Disdain for the Almighty God 
It has been said, moreover, that the ultimate goal of the Bonesmen is the so-called New World Order, with its one-world government system. Toward this end then, they seek to control not only major secular institutions, but that which is purely religious as well, i.e., that which is commonly labeled Protestant Christianity. Herein, they are said to have influenced the direction of seminaries, no specifics given in terms of which, why, or how, and to have links to the Federal Council of Churches, one can only assume that their influence of the seminaries means that to some degree what is taught there is directly the result of their presence in hand. Given that the organization is known, by even secular observers, to have rituals which are not only grotesquely sinful and shameful, but decidedly, ironically, satanic in nature as well, this pits the bonesmen in direct confrontation and battle with the Almighty himself. Thus, a war with God having been begun millennia in arrears, rages on now in the physical, from within the realm of the spiritual, having taken on a new twist. His churches and schools of religion are therefore in the theological and spiritual shambles that they are, and from which they are not likely to rise, in part because of them. Why? Bonesmen are keenly aware of the role and influence religion, most notably Christianity, has played in the shaping of this nation, and in the advancement of colored people in this country. They know quite well that it was not a lot of northern whites who sought to bring down the American slave trade, but a comparative handful of white American abolitionists, spurred into action only after goading by black abolitionists, who happened to operate under the banner and authority of Christianity just as Wilberforce, supposedly a Christian, is credited with the topple of that hideous trade in the UK. They know that Jim Crow and its black codes fell due, in large measure, to the insights, wisdom, efforts, and determination of one man a man carrying a Bible and calling on the name of God. By means of Jim Crow and its codes, black Americans were systematically, institutionally deprived, oppressed, and terrorized into subjection for 100 years, after they were legally free from American slavery. Hence, while they do not believe in God, they know well the influence and power to effect change, endemic to that name, and to his book, the Bible. Control that name, control and or short-circuit its effectiveness. The nation can never again be divided where all Christian thought and action is dictated in some key measure by the skull and bones agenda, as opposed to God, through a Christian agenda. Influence, power, change, control? Are they not all key words descriptive of a domain exclusively theirs? All notions of God, therefore, must be eliminated. Relative to education, particularly of children, bonesmen are known to favor Hegelian thought, which stipulates that the state is the highest of all authorities, i.e., the state is God not equal to God, rather, there is no God above the state. Georg Wilhelm F. Hegel was a German educator who followed and enlarged upon the thinking of his predecessor Johann Fichte. You therefore have no freedom, except as the state so decrees. Children must be taken over by the state and educated in such a manner that they are taught how to think and what to think. They are systematically robbed of any potential for self-will at an early age, as their will is shaped and mated inextricably to the will of the state. Too bad that the many town criers of late cannot seem to do a better job of explaining these things. There's more rotten in a state, not Denmark. Consider that Yale's Divinity School has been led and controlled by bonesmen since 1886, per the Chris Milligan report. 
Consider also that a system of hospitals and schools set up and run by this Yale institution in 1903 was prevailed upon to lend its services to CIA operatives, heavily influenced by Skull and Bones, in their effort to manage a booming narcotics trade with China. Opium was viewed as something the Chinese would buy willingly, allowing the U.S. to purchase silk, porcelain and tea, without dipping into then-scarce supplies of precious metals. More interestingly, Bonesman George Bush Sr. is believed to have been a CIA operative since the 1950s and was entrusted with the business of consolidating and coordinating U.S. interests in the global narcotics industry, the largest industry on the planet one of the world's biggest producers, users of opium products being China. During the Reagan-Bush administration, billionaire and one-time presidential contender Ross Perot was removed from a position commissioned with the responsibility for tracking down American POWs and MIAs. It seems Mr. Perot complained one time too many that he couldn't do the job he was sent to do, for repeatedly stumbling upon evidences of corruption in the ranks, involving the American government's global drug peddling and illegal arms deals. Zapata Offshore has been linked to CIA drug smuggling endeavors, designed to generate cash on the streets of America, with which they would in turn finance arms sales, purchases for the Nicaraguan Contras during the 1986-88 Iran-Contra affair. George Bush was co-founder and vice president of Zapata Oil before becoming president of this offshoot, offshore operation. This lends credibility to rumors in circulation years ago alleging that white America was largely responsible for the epidemic of drugs flowing into the ghettos of our black communities, which raises a very sobering question. During its battles and bombings of Colombian drug lords, was the U.S. government concerned at all about the problem of drugs on U.S. streets, or was it jealously protecting its own turf and stake in the international opium, heroin, cocaine market? What about the present war in Afghanistan, opium-growing capital of the world? In summation, and so, after all that has been said, we should be able to see then beyond a shadow of a doubt that, notwithstanding the presence of her influential, perhaps, but largely fragmented professing Christian population, America the beautiful is for the most part, secular. As such, she is arrogant. Her moral fiber is weak. She appropriates all that is America to her own genius and wit, leaving no room for acknowledgement of the Almighty in her daily affairs. In so doing, she effectively snubs God. She and she alone controls his churches. Is that any wonder, when the likes of the right Reverend Dr. Billy Graham readily affirm that she is not, nor has she ever been, a Christian nation or, when we consider the satanic forces and hidden societies that actually drive her, from behind the scenes. Hers is, therefore, an attitude of insolence that cannot and will not be ignored, nor will it go unanswered, before and as this country lapses into the dusts of time and eternity. It is so abundantly obvious from the history and heritage of this otherwise great nation the United States of America that she could and would never, ever have come this far, except for the grace and guiding hand of one far greater than any human mind could ever have fathomed. The present fruits of education, the sciences, and industry together with all their contributions in the form of achievements and advancements, were not even remote pipe dreams, prior to the year 1900. No scientist then, such as there were, would ever have believed that this day, 113 years, 5 months and 15 days plus, later, was or could ever be a reality. Though the Word of God was replete with suggestions throughout, 
no human eye ever saw this day coming. The logistics of how to get mankind here were simply not forthcoming everything new, in terms of ideas and inventions, having been exhausted. This, according to leading men in business, industry, and finance. Thus, there was absolutely no indication and no reason to believe that America would ever end the day leading the pack, in a league all its own, the world's only remaining superpower, the only nation worthy and capable of filling the shoes of Babylon the Great. Even now, top evangelicals do their utmost to lead the world of incredulous, evangelical, fundamentalist Christianity around the obvious. Yet, evidently such has been the preordination and the decree of the Almighty. America was destined, by God, for the height of ignominy during the last days of, such time as this. See sidebar, ditch the melting pot, page 138. Moreover, an America bored with God and the things of God in a fashion similar to that of Malachi's OT Jews is not likely to be a people on his most favored nations list. Reconsider the preface, Bastions of Deception. Page 67. America will give an accounting to the God of the heavens for all her actions. Of this, we may be assured. Realistically thanks to her politics, religious atmosphere, her economic status as a nation on the international horizon there can be little doubt, as but that she is the Babylon portrayed, and whose demise is celebrated, in chapter 18 of this the revelation of Jesus the Christ of Calvary, Lamb of the Living God. Her polluted and godless Christianity has closed the hearts of many to a saving knowledge of the man from Galilee. Her catastrophic, God-orchestrated collapse will be the catalyst that lights the fires that open the eyes of a world that will otherwise not see. The brightness of her flaming ruins, the fuel that will drive many around the world to their knees before the cross of Christ. Thus, we see then that, in addition to God-less, secular America which somehow manages to grow worse by the day Christianity in America in all of its many phases, shall we say, is just as much a smoke and a burning, in the eyes and nostrils of him who sits in the heavenlies, watching and observing constantly. Her high visibility, high profile, high standing upon the world stage put her in prime position to impact the world for better or for worse, in every way imaginable including the cause of Christ, far above that of any other nation. He sees and knows very well that the most active nation in the universe right now is the United States of America, where missionary outreach is concerned and yet the God and Christ carried abroad, and preached domestically, is not the same as the God and Christ of the Bible. Its churches sound his name weekly, Christian media daily, yet it is a nation of professing Christians who do not know their own Savior. Their demise is imminent, well prophesied, yet through spiritual illiteracy and a lack of spiritual discernment and concern, they cannot read the handwriting that is clearly upon the walls of our times. Thus, the combined effort of the secular to shut God out of American life altogether on the one hand, and that of all the various aspects of the disingenuous, compromising Christian religion to exploit, market and make merchandise of God and His Christ on the other hand, make it a very real, unimpeachable, possibility that Babylon the Great of Revelation chapter 18 is none other than our very own America the Beautiful, in spite of the blindness and ignorance of top-tier, well-educated, spiritually maladjusted evangelical, fundamentalist white preachers. Hence the elation expressed in the opening verses of chapter 18, is justified. Notwithstanding the wealth of Rome, 
i.e., the extravagant, richly clad, drunken woman with the words Babylon the Great written on her forehead, home of the great whore who now clutches the Vatican billions, or its purported billions, mostly stripped from between the teeth of its Catholic subjects over the centuries, although it claims to be broke. Any chance that her foot might fit the shoes of Babylon the Great here is expressly precluded. On the other hand, throw in the fact of its position as leader among world powers economically, so that all roads lead to these United States making it a virtual dumping ground, for almost half, 40%, of all the world's goods, at the feet of her 300 million souls, totaling only 5% of the world's 7 billion, and, we have not less than the ultimate recipe a dead ringer for Babylon the Great. And, lest we forget, we are the largest consumer of foreign oil seriously challenged, if not yet surpassed, by China some say and the world's leader in sorceries, i.e., trafficker in opium by-products, and, marijuana. This thought becomes even more compelling when we consider the multitudes of foreign investors, merchants, and transportation companies who are made rich and wealthy, directly or indirectly, by virtue of free trade with her. Even with China, India and Brazil on the rise, the fact is they only prosper as the U.S. prospers. Lose Vatican City, or Rome and all of Italy, and the world might dare take notice. Lose America, the impact of her loss on global economies would be phenomenal, catastrophic, devastating even. Witness the justifiable concern and anxiety felt around the globe following the recent collapse of the housing market, which has crippled the investment banking industry worldwide, leaving ripple effects throughout all major world economies, in all markets, including and to the point of threatening the very existence of the big three automakers GM being the world's largest employer. That is, until the first quarter of 2009, when it was surpassed by Toyota. Note, as of the 11th of May 2013, GM and the other automakers are said to have all returned to some semblance of profitability thanks in part to the Obama-orchestrated taxpayer-funded welfare bailout, for the wealthy, ostensibly, too big to fail. She could never be replaced, as evinced by the fact that none can rise to her equal, even during these relatively good times, economically. The EU has been daring enough to try but, chose bedaciously to leave out one key ingredient, God. Thus, the evangelical, fundamentalist suggestion that the beast will have the time and occasion to revive and bring back ancient Babylon to such prominence and prosperity as is pictured in Revelation chapter 18 is expressly precluded the height of speculative lunacy. The trail of destruction and the globe-spanning economic fallout and havoc rooted in this Babylon's collapse, augmented by the outbreak of World War III, all followed hard and further promoted by acts of God that lead straight to the front door of his short global tenure, 3.5 years, as the beast, also assures that this feat will be utterly unattainable. In so many words, God will himself, see to it that, Babylon, Iraq will never rise to the estate of John's Babylon the Great. See Sidebar, A Sobering Reality, page 142. Our soft underbelly and our vulnerability having been exposed, we as a nation now rest perilously as if in the eye of the tiger. Angry and hungry his repeated warnings snubbed, unheeded, having fallen on deaf ears. Well endowed for flavor in terms of wealth and potential, thanks to his graciousness and generosity, we are no less a nation unreservedly foul to his holy tastes. We are Christians, and not 
saved and unsaved a hideous savor of which the Lion of the Jews cannot wait to be rid. Thus, an arrogant, self-reliant nation of self-described winners now, Babylon the Great these United States of America is slated to end the day as the world's biggest loser, in only one hour, per God's biblical mandate. Moreover, with her out of the loop, the way will then be cleared for the initiation of the apparently organized, chaotic period pictured in the Revelation chapter 6, Phase 2 of the New World Order which will of course be preceded by the Russian-led EU, Muslim invasion of Israel, this could and will likely occur concurrently with her destruction and downfall, or, shortly thereafter. Sidebar number 1. Ditch the melting pot. This writer was privileged, and somewhat appalled to learn, toward the end of 2010 that, during the boom years leading up to the housing and banking busts of 2006 and 2007, the standard for global currency valuation actually shifted at some point, from a worldwide gold standard, to one based upon the US dollar another clear testament to the undeniable parallel between God's depiction of the universal influence of Babylon the Great, during the, last days, and the world-spanning influence of these United States of America during what surely cannot but be the Bible's, last days. God's demand to, burn her with fire implies not only that this may be the passion of the Almighty, but that of the nations as well which will doubtless be his instrument of destruction. Certainly, at this critical hour, with every nation scrambling to regain some sense of economic composure following the letdown of the Almighty dollar readjusting their thinking and reorganizing individual financial structures, portfolios and priorities around the gold standard, this assumption is more than plausible. Even more intriguing, those nations are receiving encouragement from former top U.S. White House officials to do as much, as well as to distance themselves, in preparation for a world without the dominance of a melting pot. Sidebar number 2. A sobering reality. We have been given a glimpse of this somber reality by the recent, as of October 2807, economic downturn to hit U.S. markets, as it relates to the building and construction industry. Banks and foreign governments all around the world are said to have invested heavily in it during the recent boom years, and so consequently are in danger of going bankrupt, as the sale of new homes has once more fallen flat. Multitudes of investors stand to suffer substantial losses. As of November 1508, one year later, Bear Stearns, AIG, Lehman Brothers, the big three automakers and other fat cat. Historically wealthy organizations have been reduced to the status of virtual welfare recipients, all clamoring for cash handouts at taxpayer expense, in order to stay afloat. Once more, following the 1980s, revelation of the new face of homelessness in America, well-educated, once-affluent white Americans grace the pages and screens of U.S. media, sniffling and crying because they cannot believe what has happened and or will happen to them worrying out of concern over how they will now feed their families and pay their mortgages, etc., etc., etc. Within our own ranks, fat cat, successful African-American intellectuals and MBAs strut like fools in the wake of their many achievements, not realizing that we are a nation in deep trouble and grave, grave danger. Al Mansell, black commentator and contributor to a Denver-area African-American-oriented community newspaper, has observed that black intellectuals with college degrees just do not get it. They don't understand that, we are not a people who produce as much as we are consumers. Okay, my friends. That's a wrap.
as far as our discussion of the who of Babylon the Great and the why, driving God's hostile attitude toward her. The question before us now, knowing as we do his intention to make use of the might of the nations to fulfill his vision of her complete destruction, how? How will the nations corporately come together to facilitate so perilous an assignment, the most dangerous and deadly the world will have ever known? For the answers to these questions and more, you will have to make plans to join us next time for episode number 19 of the podcast The Bible Prophecy Masterclass. Until we meet again, may God bless each and every one of you. Amen.